Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Hard Sell. I'm your host, as always, Joel Stevenson. And uh, every now and then, in addition to hosting The, the Hard Sell, I, I go on some other podcasts, I guess, for, for people that don't particularly care about their podcast ratings um, and, and want to have me on. But um, I, I meet interesting people there, and and sometimes the conversation sort of, you know, it, it bears extending. Um, it, and, and this week's guest is an example of that. Uh, Connie Whitman's worked with business owners, salespeople, sales teams, organizations uh, to try to help them figure out what what can you do to what decisions can you make to lead to strong sales results. Um, her podcast uh, that I was on is called Changing the Sales Game, and she's the author of ESP, the Easy Sales Process. Uh, Connie, welcome to The Hard Sell. Thanks for having me on, Joel. Yeah, we had a really good conversation on my show. Well, maybe for for folks that 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 um, maybe haven't checked out that episode yet, just give me just give us a little bit of a thumbnail of your background, and, and then I've, I've got some other questions for you too. Sure. So I've been in financial sales, predominantly financial sales, or in that industry for forty years, and twenty two of them have been in business. And so what I've learned it through my career, and then when I started my business, I was really good at communicating, and I was successful in sales because I'm organized, right? I'm good at communicating communication. And I had a process, which you don't realize until you start a business. And then you sit there and think, well, what am I going to teach? And I thought, I better figure out why am I successful? And that's how my business got started. I realized that I was good at teaching people how to get more comfortable with sales. And for me, Joel, sales really is about love, care, and respect. And I know people hear the word love and they go, love them, sales. What? Who is this chick? If you're not coming from that perspective, to me, that's the ick factor. And that's just not okay. There's no need for it because we have to learn how to play that long game and build these dynamic relationships that keep on giving. That's how we make more money easily and be able to serve bigger um, by using these processes. So that's kind of my background. And and I'm curious on the book, is that something where you you sort of felt you had a book in you and then um, and then sort of did, that sort of came at the same time as the business or like, talk to us a little bit more about like the, that actual process of, of putting your ideas down on paper. I always wanted to write a book, Joel, but I always, what am I going to write about? What do I have to say? Right. That negative self-talk, we all have it. And then I remember my kids were little and I had, I was in business for several years and I thought, wow, this process, people are really liking the process. They're understanding it. They're digesting it. And my corporate clients, we were moving the needle. We were seeing a return on investment. So it wasn't just Connie's program worked for Connie. It was all of a sudden I had these corporations who were really um, relevant relevant and, and growing their sales. So I thought I should write a book. So I sat down. And of course, I don't know, you know, the listeners have kids, but, you know, having little kids and running a business and a home, blah, blah, blah. There was no time. So I shelved it. And then when COVID hit, the world stopped. So Mm. did my business. I had done everything live prior to COVID. So I thought, oh, what a great opportunity. I had this book. Let me dust it off. And then I was off to the races, found somebody to publish it, editors, all those kinds of things. That was an education in itself too, Joel. Talk about not knowing what you don't know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's a whole art, uh, to, uh, you know, either self-publishing or publishing a book. Uh, there's a lot to it. I'm thinking about doing that, um, in the coming years. So I might have to ask you some, some advice on that, uh, on that part of it, but that's interesting. So, so maybe tell us a little bit more about, so easy sales process, that certainly sounds appealing. Um, uh, you know, it's sort of, and it's, it's, it's interesting to have you on the hard sell. It's sort of like the, you know, we're, 
we're, we're butting heads with opposite uh, opposite descriptions of the selling process here. So it'd be great, be great to hear a little bit more about um, how, how sort of how this process works and what makes it successful for folks. It was interesting when I started in sales, I didn't even know I was selling because what I was doing was I, I worked for a credit company and I was dealing with car dealerships. And so I was educating them on, I saw mistakes that they were making in the contracts and stuff like that. So I, you know, I would, I'm not shy. I would pick up the phone and say, Hey, listen, you know, that you could do better by the client by doing this. And this is what I would say. And to me, it was educating. And then a sales position came open and all I was in my twenties, like, what did I know? And yeah. all these guys are calling me going, you're going to apply. And Joel, I was like, why would I apply for a sales position? I don't know anything about sales, which right. struck them very funny. Cause they said, do you know how much money we're bet we're making? because of what you've been teaching us. So for me, sales was intuitive, I think, because it, I approach sales as if I educate someone so they understand what their options are. Now they have clarity. And now I know better, right? With mm -hmm. clarity, people make decisions. And then, so then again, after the 20, uh, you know, my 20 years in corporate, I, when I started my business, when I sat down, it was the easy, I called it the easy sales process, but I have seven steps. Now, do you want me to go through the seven? Yeah, let's, let's go through them quickly. Sure. Sure. I'll do it very quickly. Step one is preparation, which is probably about 50% of our effort, by the way. So preparation, then it's building rapport. And I have a communication style assessment to help quickly fast forward that building rapport piece. Next one is questions. Imagine that. Tethered to the questions is step four, which is listening skills. And in my world, we should be listening about 70% of the time when we're with a client or a potential client. Step number uh, five is having coming up or presenting the solution, right? What, what the right um, alternatives are, a package of products are. Step six, ask for the business. And step seven is the follow-up. It's just very logical progression, but we have to do that. that I call it my Connie Whitman sales loops over and over and over again. So it's a system that's rinse and repeatable. And because I've been doing it for 40 years, the sucker works, right? But we got to keep it simple. Yeah. One, 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 there's, there's a bunch of things we, we could talk about there. One, one that might be interesting, I think for, um, for some of the, uh, some of our listeners are, you know, are running sales teams and often they have uh, younger salespeople and, you know, you sort of hear this, uh, you know, maybe cause we're older, you know, it's like every generation has their issues, but it's like, you know, this younger generation is more text heavy, you know, they're, you know, they sort of communicate, uh, in emojis. And so we've now got sort of these new sales people. We sort of grew up in a world where it's like, well, you pick up the phone and you call somebody or you physically show up for appointments. Like I remember, you know, my, my first, I had a physical geography and I used to have to like go visit everybody. Uh, and it's like, if, if you, you had to wear a suit on days you were visiting customers. And so if you showed up too many days without a suit on, like you got in trouble, like, like all these things I think are just like, sound so crazy these days, but what, what, do you have any thoughts or advice about, you know, for, for folks that are, are newer to this and might be, might be working with older prospects or customers, like what are some ways that they can kind of, uh, work on some of those rapport or just, you know, kind of verbal, you know, communication aspects. So it's interesting. Every client I work with, they have to use some form or type of communication model. So DISC, Myers-Briggs, mm -hmm. predictive index, whatever people yeah. are using. I don't say, oh, no, you have to use mine because if you're already using something, people are used to it. But now let's leverage it. Because mm -hmm. if I can understand how I communicate what my superpowers are and what my blind spots are, wow, that's pretty powerful. And then once I get really good at that, then I, I, I ask, especially the young people, 
start to identify your peers, your family, and really start to play with this in a safe environment, even to the point where you say to someone, hey, listen, like I have a communication style assessment. We can share it if you want. I could give you that link. Um, it's free. So everybody can take it. You get two reports. One, your superpowers, one, your blind spots. But what I find is when you start to give the tool to the younger generation and it's technology-based, DISC, Myers-Briggs, all of them, mm -hmm. right? It's an, it's an assessment. They love it. And then they dig in and think, oh, this is like me. And oh, that's my mom. And oh, that's my dad. And then we say, okay, let's add a layer now. When you're in front of a client like that who communicates opposite of you, what do you need to do? And let's mm -hmm. strategize. Let's talk about that. So you're teaching them from their, their, I try to build on strength all the time. So once they understand what they're really good at and you identify their blind spots, now they're like, oh, I do do that. So, well, let's talk about how to stop doing that and leverage the strength. And now, now they have something to play with because it's a tangible tool. Mm -hmm. So I find that really works well. It was cute. I just, I, I taught a class at one of my clients. It was a business development class. We were talking about leveraging LinkedIn mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, we only use LinkedIn to get a job. I'm like, the party's changed. Yeah. So let's talk about how can we use that to remain relevant without being a pushy jerk, but showing, hey, I'm a thought leader. I know my stuff. Let's really make you spotlight yourself as, as a, you know, expert, thought leader, whatever word, word phraseology you want to use. They were loving it because, again, it's that technology. So I think as soon as we can educate and combine, they're all in. I, I love working with the younger generation. I love it. Yeah, it's interesting. And I'll, I'll just do a little self-plug here. Uh, there's a, an earlier episode of Hard Sell with uh, Mike Zani, who's the CEO of Predictive Index and a friend of mine, which is uh, uh, pretty interesting uh, to listen to. And I, I think you're you're right about this, that, uh, you know, it. I mean, some salespeople might, you know, the old thing, you know, I feel like they used to tell us is like, oh, you know, like walk into the person's office and see if they've got a diploma from somewhere and just, you know, make some small talk on the diploma or something like that. But I think what like what you're talking about is sort of the a next level of um, proficiency uh, of like actually understanding your style and their style. And like, how do you in that moment bring those styles together to facilitate a, a conversation? By the way, I love predictive index. One of my clients in New Hampshire, we use that. And so I'm, I'm not certified in that. I'm certified in DISC and I have my own model. And they taught me and I loved predictive index. So anybody that is using it, there's so many reports that predictive index provides. So if you're coaching your team, there's an overlay report that they share about the individual and your style and how can you coach that person more effectively. So these tools are out there. The technology is there. We have now we have to learn how to use it. Right. Right. Like anything right. else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's interesting. And so, um, and do you find that, um, folks that do that does that does that th i imagine that then carries through into the in sort of the questioning process so it's like once you kind of understand you know kind of how to build rapport and then you understand like you you're probably going to be better at asking questions and and i think when you get comfortable with your style and you get because it's it's an it's a hard skill to be able to they call it flex pivot um i i call it modify for me to modify to my energy my speech pattern the pace of my speech all of those things with who's in front of me because i need my message to land for them it doesn't matter how i how i want to receive it right yeah 
So as soon as I could get really good at that, the questioning piece, you're already pacing. So then the questioning piece, you're in a position to know, okay, this person is a more formal on the predictive index side. So I need to ask maybe more questions and I need to pause and breathe and allow them time to think to respond. Or I'm a maverick in predictive index. You yeah. ask me a question, I'm firing away, right? Yeah, right. So who's in front of me? And then we have to allow that space. So yes, the questions, we get into a rhythm with that with that particular client. It all goes together, Joel. It's it really all goes together. And, and then as you as you kind of you know round out your process with asking for the order, I mean, I, I find that that's another one where um, you know some people maybe comes a little bit naturally too. But I think for for many folks, like asking for the the order is a very difficult part of the sales process, at least uh, uh, initially. And like, do you, do you have any thoughts about? Um, you know, how do you, how can you help somebody go from not doing that to having that to sort of be a regular part of their routine and then not feeling like they're being a jerk or like, you know, the old rolling pen clothes that, you know, we, they used to tell us about back in, back in the day. I'll tell you a lot of the old things I learned, I learned quickly that they don't work. So yeah, right, right. it was intuitive for me. Thank goodness. Right. It was a natural skill. So here's the answer to that. That's the sixth step is asking for the business or you say asking for the order. Um, for me, that's the easiest step because if you can get really good at the flow from step one and step through step five, and there's a lot of sub skills under each of them, obviously, but if I can get really good at every one of those steps and all the sub sub skills beneath, when you get to the point where you're going to ask for the business, three things should happen. One is the customer's leaning in like, holy moly, where have you been my whole life? Like, mm -hmm. we need to do this yesterday. So everybody's on board. It's a perfect fit. Let's just do it. Obvious, right? Second one is I'll say to my client, you are not ready for me. You're working on this. You have this project. So we, I could come in and I, can I help you? Sure, I can. Are you going to put the time in to learn what I'm teaching you? No, you're not. So let's pause. Finish this. Finish that. Let me talk to your marketing department. I could start to help you build the culture right from the outside. And then when we get in, now we have the culture, the container. We've organized that. Now we can get into the meat. So a lot of times I say, you're not ready for me. That doesn't mean I let them off the hook. They're still mm -hmm. in my pipeline, right? I'm yeah. still talking to them, but you're not ready for me. That one, it makes me laugh because people go, no, 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 no. I want to hire. I go, I, I understand. And yes, I'm a good fit. And yes, I can help you. You're not ready. Trust me on this. You're going to waste time and money. That's not cool in my world. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the second one. And then the third one is. I'm not the right person for you. You need to talk to my friend, Joel. He's really the one, what you're looking for, he's really the solution that's the perfect fit. Notice I didn't say objection was one of my, um, one of my, my three. Because if you do one through five, you're not asking for the business. You're asking for an introduction to the CPA or the introduction to the CFO, or you're introducing someone else who needs to be part of the mix, right? So again, we, we should not be getting objections and you should be closing about 80% of your ideal client. So that's, an, that's another whole conversation. Or, you know, are we getting people in front of us that we can actually help? That's in our industry or expertise, whatever it might be. Yeah, it's interesting. And and you mentioned industry. I, I we we get people from, you know, that have come from all different uh, types of sales backgrounds mm -hmm. on the show. And I always I like to ask, you know, what what's sort of if there's anything that's peculiar about um some of the industries that you see so you mentioned you sort of come from financial sales and, and working in that like are there is is there anything that you feel like, well, you know, there's this thing in in 
when you're selling financial products to companies that is different or like when you're working with a CFO that might be different if you're selling into some different buying center, anything come to mind as sort of unique about the, the financial space? Yeah, I'll tell you, that's a great question. So with financial sales, they're really intangibles. So we have to, through our um, the way we talk to the client and share the information, it has, they have to picture using it in their life, right? Because it's really not, you can't touch a mortgage, you can't touch mm -hmm. a checking account, whatever. So if I can help the person visualize using me, my product and my organization, they're buying in and they, they become a lifelong client and then hopefully we'll send you referrals equally tangible sales is a little different because you can put on like a little dog and pony show because I could say, let me show you if you hit this button or let me show you how to use Zoom. It's more tangible. So it's, you have the visual with you, which makes it a little easier where mm -hmm. in financial sales, it's all about how we describe how efficient we are about talking about and what's in it for me, right? The, the benefit to me becomes exponentially important because I can't see it firsthand. Yeah, it's in, in software sales, there's only in almost every sales process I've ever seen, demo is almost always one of the steps, of you of know, um, so that's, that's interesting. Yeah, it makes sense that like you wouldn't demo a, uh, you know, a mortgage backed security or something like that. Yeah, it'd be weird. It would, it would be. It would <laughs> Let be. me show you the contract, right? Yeah, right. 90 pages and we need your blood type and your first child, by the way, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, what what about like as you think about um, you know so so you've you've been working on um, this business for a while. You, you've taught a bunch of teams. What do you see, you know, kind of these days as some of the things that might be you know particular challenges for sales teams that you're that you're working with folks that might be a little bit different than what we might have seen you know maybe during COVID or pre COVID. I'll tell you the the listening skills I think have become so exponentially important because humans have a six second attention span. So we're constantly checking out and we're not remaining present with the conversation. And that's dangerous because as our client is giving us their situation, what the problem is, we're not digging deep enough because we'll ask our question. We're not listening. And listening for me is when you ask a follow-up question like you did with me. You've asked me a couple of follow-up. You didn't know what I was going to say. But if we ask those follow-up questions, that's where the magic happens. Not with the prepared. You have to go with prepared questions. Don't get me wrong, right? Preparation mm -hmm. is 50% of our success, but you have to go in with those prepared questions. But based on what the client's saying, you have to really be present, really listening and saying, Ooh, you just said something really important. I need more information with that. And the deeper we dig, you know, go the mile deep versus the mile wide. My solution is so spot on that they're like, like, where have you been my whole life? Yeah. So questioning, listening that the six second attention span has become a real issue. Yeah, what with uh, you know TikTok and you know social media scrolling. I mean, all that stuff is um is very difficult. I mean, I I would say I this is something I've struggled with over time. The, the only thing that's helped me, I think, in a meaningful way, has been sitting meditation, mm -hmm. um, which has helped me like really uh, you know be a little bit more present in the moment, and it's helped all that you know listening, um, communication, all that stuff. But you're right, it's it's critical. It's just like you often don't get to. The most important things that you need to learn about someone's uh you know issues or buying process until you get a few levels down and if you're not paying attention yeah like good good luck with that 
And there's layers to that, right? I said you should have an 80% close ratio. Well, you should. If you go deep enough, it becomes so obvious to you that you're an end only if your solution is the perfect fit. But the other thing it allows us to do is instead of going in with the preconceived notion of I need to sell this, whatever this is for you and your industry. Now, when I dig deeper, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, not only do they need that, but they need these three other subordinate things to really move the needle and give them what they need. So I see all the time salespeople leave money on the table because they're going in with a partial partial solution. And then that's why they're getting objections or the no's because it's not really a complete solution. And the person kind of knows that. Mm -hmm. So the, when we dig that deep, now we're providing the full solution. You're going to get more yeses. It becomes this whole ripple effect. Yeah, and it sounds like that that's part of you know, creating this, you know, maybe approaching this from a, a place of abundance versus scarcity. I mean, you sort of yeah. mentioned this notion of like, you know, one of your three things is like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not the right person for you. And I think that that is difficult for many salespeople. It's like, well, why would I ever give this thing up? Like, I don't have enough in my, well, like, I'm, you know, getting pressure about my pipeline is big and I'm not making my numbers. Like, how could I possibly give uh, a thing up? But it, it sounds like that, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, if you've done the earlier steps, you, you actually should be in a position where like, that's maybe not a hard thing to say to somebody. No, because you'll get more, remember 80% close ratio. So you're, you're just so much more efficient at getting your pipeline full. And the other thing, and, and see, people don't believe it until they see it, but can I, do I have time to share a really quick story? Yeah, sure. Okay. So I had a client in uh, Rhode Island. I was introduced to most of my businesses through referrals. So I was introduced to the CEO, come in very small bank. And at the end, could I help him? Oh my gosh. And I loved him. He and I were like two peas in a pod. Like we would have created magic. But I said to him, I'm too expensive. It's not worth you bringing me in. The return on the investment, it's, it's too long. He had hired a young man in marketing who was brilliant. And I said, let me coach him and we'll create meetings and I'll give him stuff and teach him. And I think we'll, it'll be a little slower process, but it'll be more cost effective and we'll be able to dig deeper faster. And he was like, oh, I really, I really want to hire you. Mm. I said, I'm just, I'm not, it's too expensive. I go, listen, I can't do it. I feel like I'm ripping you off. So net, net, we did that. And it would have been a $20,000 contract, maybe, right? It was small because it was a tiny little bank. Mm -hmm. I said that. I worked with his his young man, right? We we made some magic. He gave me three referrals, which were well over a six-figure. Um, we Between the three of them, I made well over six figures on him. Now, did I do that to get the six figures from him? No, I did it because it was the right thing to do. And in yeah. my heart of hearts, I, I, I want to serve, right? The repercussion, the ripple effect back to me has always been exponentially. You got to give before you get. And the more you give, the more you get. It's it's just the law of reciprocity out there, people. It works. Sales karma. It's, uh, it, it, is a, it is a thing. So. <laughs> Um, well, Connie, I'm sure we, we could we could sit here all day talking about yes. this stuff um, as we've done, but uh, we're, we're going to wrap it up here. So if folks want to learn more um, uh, about what you're doing, want to get the book, uh, et cetera, what, what, what are some ways to, to get in touch and do that? Easiest way, go to changingthesalesgame.com. Everything's there. My book is there. My communication style assessment's there. With that said, though, Joel, I'll send you the link. I have a PDF version of the book, which is cheaper than Amazon, but of course you could get it on Amazon, but I'll send you those links and then everybody can investigate depending on what they want. Um, connect that way. The other thing on LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Uh, if they want to join me on LinkedIn, I do post my shows. Uh, I have two shows, Changing the Sales Game and Enlightenment of Change, my podcast, and that's all there as well. And that that's also on the website. So changingthesalesgame.com. You'll find me. 
<laughs> yeah, that's great. We'll and we'll we'll post that in the notes. Um, cool. So so check that out. And uh, Connie, thanks for uh, joining me today. Oh, thanks so much. I hope everybody learned something. Thanks again. Okay.